Welcome to the first Talking Footy podcast for 2018, a special edition just days out from the beginning of the NAB AFL Women's Competition, joined by Melbourne's Lily Mithen, Western Bulldogs' Katie Brennan and Carlton's Lauren Annell. Girls, thanks so much for your time and first of all, we've got to work our way back to work our way forward and look ahead at the year. I want to take you back to grand final day last year. The time has come for the Brisbane Lions and the Adelaide Crows. Welcome to the 2017 AFLW Grand Final, the first of a new era. All three of you were on the wrong side of the fence from your perspective. Katie, you were there working on the seven broadcasts for the match. What were, what were your emotions, I suppose, considering what it might have been like to be a player playing in the match, but the broader collective of how far the competition came in those eight weeks and, and what that day represented, I guess, for the broader playing group? Yeah, I guess, um, firstly, it's great to be here. This is very exciting. But I felt, and I think, I don't know if I can speak on behalf of everyone, but there's a tiny bit of jealousy within you that you want to be out there. You want to be experiencing the big dance with your team. Um, And then once you step away from that, it's just the pure excitement of of what was happening. And and it was on such a big scale as well. It was a a beautiful day at um, Metricon there and... Um, you know, there was a big crowd and there was so much, I guess, buzz around the football community and, and um, off the back of that AFL women's season and how great it was. So um, it was a, yeah, it was sort of a, a bittersweet day, but at the same time, it was such a, um, I guess, a really great occasion to celebrate how far we've come. And, um, and also we can look forward to, to what is to come for especially AFL women's 2.0. Loz, for you, someone who's had a significant journey in the game in a number of different roles, including your employment with AFL Victoria, was it a day also where you put the jealousy of not being a participant aside and were able to sit back and appreciate where the league had got to in such a short space of time? Yeah, thanks, Nudge. I think that's a really nice way of saying I'm old. (laughs) (laughs) It was actually funny, like the number of roles you mentioned. It was the first night that I had working in radio calling footy. So I was actually working round one of the men's AFL. So I found myself only really catching the last 10 minutes of the game. And that was probably perfect because the tiny bit of jealousy that KB was hinting at was a little bit larger in my belly. So um, it was it, it's, it's fantastic for the girls that got to participate. And I know for, for all of us doing this podcast today, we look at that and say that's where we want to be in, what, eight weeks' time. Lil, your Sunday prior to the grand final was a scary precursor to the Melbourne men's team season that both team's fate across the course of the year got decided on percentage. You were just shy of making the grand final and I believe you and Daisy Pearce spent your Sunday cleaning trying to distract yourself from actually watching the unfolding carnage next door between Adelaide and Collingwood. You're exactly right. I was absolutely gutted that we weren't there on grand final day and um, unfortunately it was just due to um, percentage on the ladder. So we were pretty un- pretty unlucky in some sense, but really just not good enough to be there grand final day. And Daisy and I could not watch that game to decide whether we were in or out. So we did clean the club rooms there at Amy Park and um, just sort of hoped that the girls would cheer at the right moments and hope that Collingwood were coming with the comeback to beat the Crows to um, put us in the grand final. But um, unfortunately not the case. And um, unfortunately didn't get, didn't get our chance to play in the granny. But... Um, like the girl said, it's such an exciting time and the eight weeks was a phenomenal time for female footy and just really lucky to be part of it and like I said, we're aiming and we're striving to be to go on better and play in the granny this year so we've got a big sort of ten weeks ahead of us and 
um, all systems go at the D's. The start of AFLW and its arrival in everyone's summers has changed your winters significantly. <laughs> what was VFLW like this year, seeing players that had been farmed off to the various AFLW clubs rejoin? Katie and Loz, you were going head-to-head as Carlton and Bulldogs opponents and then rejoin the family back at the Darabin Falcons. How different was winter suddenly being teammates after being enemies? Yeah, it's funny, Nudge. I think there was a lot of sort of anticipation going into VFL and people coming back together who'd been playing footy for, together for such a long time. And I know for us, it's it's such a weird shift because we'd never been at AFL clubs before. But really going back to Darabin, I know that all the girls that play there were just so excited to go back to where I guess has felt like home for such a long time for all of us. So... Yeah, it's a big shift and I think if anything, the thing that I love about AFLW is you get to play against your best mates and there's nothing better than going up against the most competitive people that you know and uh, that's one thing I absolutely love about the competition. And on that note as well, I guess we've all had this incredible experience and we've learnt so much within our AFL clubs and had a great pre-season and a great season and then we all get to come back together and I guess help each other improve and get better and that's, Darabin is a very competitive culture you know we we trying to we try and push each other to um i guess improve in all areas and and i think that's a beautiful thing so we were able to do that and i think a lot of girls sort of took their game to a, a whole new level um in that vfl season gearing up for afl women's did it create any sledging or anything like that on the ground lil when you had the chance to come up against a few d's you might have been running around with the spurs or the falcons or at diamond creek well you guys speaking about darabin and katie mentioned competitive to be honest, I hated playing against Darabin this year. <laughs> <laughs> Lining up against Days and Taxi Junior, those girls, they are even more competitive when up against me. So um, I think they voted me the most annoying player to play against. But I think I was just trying to get one up on them because they were beating me in every contest. So I just had to use my lippy mouth to try and combat that. Oh, it's funny. There's apparently a story, I think. Darabin v Cranbourne during the year and Daisy gave a bit of rubbish to Jazz Grizz and they obviously at <laughs> Melbourne together and the umpire had no idea and paid a 50 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I found that with Jazzy as well. We were, I remember, um, I think I tried to, to step her and she tackled me and sort of pushed me down and gave me a little bit of lip and then I was running into an open goal square and she must have said something. I think she put her leg out and I started laughing and I just missed the goal from about two metres out. Was, <laughs> so you kind of get that competitive side, but you're also great mates with some of the girls that you either play with or against. And um, yeah, there was some funny times out there. That change culminated in September with the first State of Origin game at Etihad Stadium on the Saturday night, a national television audience and a really good crowd and a fantastic spectacle. Maybe not so much in terms of scoreboard for the Allies KB, but we'll... We'll work past that. Good, good night for the big V. But then a couple of weeks later, yourselves uh, involved in the first VFL Women's Grand Final that's televised on 7th and then also again played um, on a huge day for Victorian football amongst the VFL and the TAC Cup Grand Finals. Lost you've won 10, Katie you've won 5 premierships, but I've got no doubt this would have been a very different one. And tell us about how it had a different meaning to the other ones you've been involved in previously. Yeah, I think the difference we, we touched on, obviously, the humour that you can get throughout the season in, in going back and playing against and with your AFLW teammates, but there was so many challenges based at Darabin this year, and I know there was a whole group of us that missed probably the first six, seven games, and um, then you have your typical injuries that come out of, out of a VFL season and a whole bunch of different things that, that are thrown against you, and I think 
one of the beauties of footy is is there's always some level of adversity for any any person, individual or, or team. And I think what we found at Darabin and having been there for 12 years now, it's um, probably the highest level of adversity we'd face and to walk away with um, the highest level of success that you can have in that season was really special and um, pretty close, if not the most special premiership that I've, I've been able to be a part of. Yeah, and I guess adding to that as well, um, probably with my experience over the past five years with Darabin, probably the, the past four, the belief was so high and we just sort of knew that, you know, we would do whatever it takes to, to win that grand final. And I think um, you sort of walk out on that field knowing that, you know, we're going to give it our best shot, but I think we're going to win. Whereas walking out onto Etihad in that, that game, the grand final, Again, there was so much adversity. There was so much, um, I guess, you know, so many things going against us. And it was really who put the best game out on the park on that day. And um, I think that we came together and, and played such a great game, as, as well as um, Dymo, they played so, so well. But we sort of just were able to hold on. And, and that victory was probably the sweetest grand final that I've ever been a part of. Which is interesting perspective for me to think there's a bigger prize on the line now in some respects that you could say it would mean more to play in an AFL Women's Premiership now for you, but it doesn't seem to be the case that if there's a cup on offer, you want to win it regardless of the level. Oh, there's no doubt about that. It's, it's just a different feel, I think. It's hard to describe because I think most listeners would just expect that AFL and VFL are, are different levels. But for us, obviously, footy's just been a different journey. And so the VFL competition is probably hard to understand for, for many people, particularly those who haven't been in the game, women's game for a long time. So um, no doubt any, any premiership's pretty special to win. <laughs> You've all had the chance now to have a couple of months training back with your clubs, a practice match, and we're on the eve of the season. Lil, what's changed? What's, what's discernible right now that's different this year to what we saw last year? I think at the end of last season, we said that going back, playing a good season at VFL and then coming back, everyone would be sort of fitter, faster, more agile, better skills. And I think that's exactly been the case. I think a lot of our girls have had a really big 12 months uh, working on their individual game. And then as a group, collectively, we've all been sort of educated really well. We've been in the system and we now know sort of what it takes to play the best brand of footy that we can. So... I think um, I think offensively too, like our attack has definitely improved. I think skills have definitely increased, and that's just been sort of a product of our environment and everyone just kind of right like taking the bar that taking the bar that bit higher. So um, we're surrounded by really good coaches at Melbourne, and um, everyone's been in more elite programs during the VFL, and um, we're just really hungry, especially missing out on that grand final spot last year um we've kind of got that burn in our belly just to go that big that bit further and um put our best foot forward so i think the ma- the major difference has been the skill level and just that will and want to get better um we've put an environment where we can you know sort of reach our potential and and go further so um you know that along with um you know another um pre-season under our belt everyone's fitter and we're firing to go Katie, you only got to play a couple of games last year, but did the experience of sitting from afar, coach's box and, and outside the playing field, there's some things that you saw that you know you can now implement, not only to your benefit for your group though as well? Yeah, 100%. I think that was the best thing. And I had to turn, I guess, my um, my adversity or my situation into a, a positive straight away and was able to sit up in the coaching box with Paul and, and the coaches and 
um, I guess really observe individually what, what girls were doing and, and I guess what um, areas they might need to improve on, but also our, our you know, our structures, our plan and, and everything going forward. And it's been um, a great process to, to work with Paul um, and our leadership group on, on bits and pieces that we can um, tweak and, and improve on in our game. And as Lil said, um, it's just those fundamentals. It's the kicking, the handballing, the ground balls, the overhead marking, and it's everything that we've um, sort of put a massive emphasis on this year and, and being able to hold possession of the footy. Um, and our girls, the skill level has gone to a whole new level because they, you know, they're dedicated to just ticking the boxes and, and going through those processes. So, yeah, there was so much positive from sitting back and, um, and watching it all. Plus, I've got that fire in the belly, as Lil was talking about, to, to get out there and, um, and just experience it from, a, I guess, a different side to be um, over the white line as opposed to on the other side of it this year. God help the key backs of the competition over the next few weeks. Loz, it's such an intense eight weeks and you didn't have a point of comparison for what you could expect last year, but coming out of it now, how does your life change over the next two months? How you work, how you spend your social time? Because I can imagine uh, it completely just gets thrown out of kilter and your diary has a completely different look to it for the next eight weeks. Yeah, it's interesting. I think... um it's hard because you, you went into last year knowing that it was going to be bananas and you're not quite sure what to expect, but you think you do. And you can never buy experience. I know that now, particularly through that AFLW season one. So I guess for my calendar, it's um, really toning down work as much as I can and just controlling um, what I can control and being super organised leading in. So, um, yeah, I think like work you do, even just little things like mindset and, and mindfulness and we, we're working, we've been working a little bit at Carlton on um, how to manage just those day-to-day sort of things and those types of things certainly help me because you can, you can certainly get a pretty full calendar and a full diary super quick and I'm um, just carrying around a little 12-month calendar as we speak. So it's, um, yeah, you just like to be organised and um, I guess as well the experience of the people close to you, family and friends, I think they... We're in a, a similar position thinking they knew what to expect and I can remember my poor brother came out of the other side of AFLW and told me I'd neglected him. <laughs> <laughs> so I think he's more prepared too. <laughs> what's, what's the biggest thing that gives for you in, in your normal lives through the next couple of months? I think my social life gets yeah. is completely wiped. It's weekends are filled with footy, whether it be playing, recovering or preparing. So social life definitely um, takes a bit of a whack, but... You, you're prepared to do it, of course, because you're getting that social aspect with your, your best friends being your teammates as well. So you don't really lose there, but um, I guess your friends and family might, you know, in 10 weeks' time say, where's Lily? And you were saying before that that'll exactly get thrust upon you, that the team heads to Fremantle to play the Dockers and then you've got a match-up against Collingwood and Alice Springs and you're actually going to spend the entire time on the road together rather than commute back to Melbourne, which in some ways will, I guess, um, provide a little bit of a staple and um, a shot in the arm for some sort of social interaction. For sure. It'll be, I guess, a nice week spending it um, up in Freya and hopefully the sun's shining over there. But, um, yeah, that's a whole week where you've got to reschedule. I'm sure a lot of people are going to have trouble getting work off and things like that, but it's sort of the the price you're willing to pay to, you know, play the sport we love. And, um, you know, it'll, it'll be a nice time to spend with your teammates, but at the same time, a really different preparation for a game leading then into a game in Alice Springs, which I'm sure none of us have done before. We played in Darwin last year, but Alice and Darwin are two very different places um, at the same time. So 
really interesting and but that's just the sort of nature of AFLW, nothing is quite normal and there's sort of skews here and there. Last year, round one was called off because there was lightning and it was the middle of summer. So nothing is normal in the AFLW and that's kind of the beauty of it. Carney goes inboard and finally, Katie Brennan doesn't have Antonio in her pocket. The captain of this side wearing Ted Witten's famous number three. Chance to kick her first goal as an AFLW player. And she does. Katie, you run a really successful gym and personal training business in sort of Melbourne's inner north. I can't imagine a 4.45am alarm is something you really have much interest in over the next few weeks. But it's your business, so how do you go managing that? No interest whatsoever, not, e not even over the next few weeks. But I, um, I learned a massive lesson last year um, where I probably wasn't working as much and I was just playing a lot of football and I set the business up in order to do that. But... Then I was injured and I had a lot of eggs in that one basket. So for me, my key word um, this year is balance and, and making sure that, as Loz said, you're, you're sort of controlling your timetable so you're not o overloading through extra commitments, but you're doing the things that you need to do. Um, and you're also switching your mind off a little bit from footy because, as we mentioned, the, the AFL women's was the most intense period of our lives and there were so many ups, there were so many downs, um, there was so much going on and I think it's really important to be able to switch from work to footy to, um, you know, different aspects. Yeah, it's, it's interesting you saying that, KB, because I think like what some people would assume, given that it's AFL at the elite level, the boys just do footy for the most part. They do a little bit of study sometimes, maybe a, a day and a, or a half day of work. But for us, we're used to working or studying. So it's, it's interesting that you've picked that up, KB, because I know like, Round one, Carlton Collingwood last year, I had every intention of just chilling out at home and not doing a hell of a lot all day and, of course, woke up way too early than I wanted to and ended up just pulling the laptop out and doing about four hours worth of work. It was some of the best work I did all year. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's a good approach, I think. Um, what will your game days look like, girls, sort of going into this season? Well, I think you're exactly right because routine is is crucial because otherwise you are bored and you're spending all day twiddling your thumbs and you're wasting energy doing, you know, worrying about what's to come. So um, I know I'll definitely be working throughout the, the AFW season too and I've cut my hours back just to give me that flexibility. But at the same time, it is really important to do what we usually do all throughout the year because otherwise you do become lost and you're, you're not sure where to put yourself, what time to wake up, when to eat or, or when to keep hydrated. So it's, um, it is a fine balance whether you're doing too much or not enough because you're not doing enough and you're bored and you're, you know getting all worked up and anxious about the weekend's game or things like that but then at the same time you don't overwork yourself to then you know not perform and, and be exhausted come the weekend so um I haven't quite figured out what my week will look out <laughs> what, what my week will look like Loz but um I can print you off a calendar you're very organized we'll, um, we'll have to catch up later <laughs> Lil 20 of your teammates took a self-funded trip to Sydney for a pre-season training camp, which was the brainchild, I believe, of Daisy Pierce. Um, you've got to try and build bonds in such a short space of time to bring a group together and have success. It says a bit about your group's commitment, and I think it would be a thread that would fit across the other seven clubs as well, that uh, you're certainly prepared to put your hand in your own pockets, but take time out of your schedules to try and fast-track things because of the short amount of time you've actually got at hand. That trip to Bondi's 
yeah, it was great. It was a um, really good initiative by Days just to bring the group together and a lot of the girls who were just picked up in the draft, I think they'd only been considered a Melbourne player for two weeks or so and they were, you know, exactly right, prepared to, you know, put their hand in their pocket and come along to the trip. But um, it just showed great commitment by the girls and it was just a really nice time to get away sort of out of Amy Park and out of, you know, our typical training um, environment and just spend some really quality time together. We still had a few good training sessions up there together just to, you know, we, we're all very competitive people and we just wanted to, you know, keep each other in check. But um, it was really nice time just to get away and um, build on the relationships we built in the year prior and, and move forward and make sure that when we hit the ground running at um, first session of pre-season we were, we were set to go and those newer girls had an idea of who we were and they were coming into the season feeling really comfortable. So what were the digs? Was this Swedish backpackers in combi vans down by the beach? <laughs> were you in a caravan park or did um, some of the girls dip into their funds and secure some better accommodation in Sydney's uh, beachside suburbs? Well, Daisy organised it. So <laughs> Daisy, um, Daisy set us up in a nice spot on Bondi. I think it, it slept us all. So there was... About 20, 21 of us. All in one house. In, in one house, yep. So it was Airbnb. it was ideal. Airbnb, indeed. Um, it was great. It was really cool. It was a bit unusual. It was blew out on the outside, but um, really nice on the inside. <laughs> um, only two minutes from Daisy's favourite coffee shop in Bondi. Um, around the corner was a, was a good gym that Daisy had recommended and only a few minutes south of the beach. So we were set up nicely. We're cool. talking four or five stars, Lou. Say five and a half. Daisy, <laughs> Daisy Pierce has changed. She has. She's a camping yeah, she, She's not the girl from Gong anymore. Yeah, yeah. No. She's changed from that bright original girl. Now she, she spent the weekend at Crown with Angus. Do you believe that? It'll live, Daisy. This is Morris Vesio who gets it free for Arnell. Finds her left boot. Can the skipper get one? You bet she can. Well, how do you go managing change in such a short space of time as well? We saw the first trade period where you had players changing clubs after spending just seven matches with one particular team. And in another group of players who had the fantastic experience of being part of the inaugural season of the NAB AFL women's competition and then get delisted and have it snatched away from them. There's a tremendous amount for playing groups to try and manage. And I can imagine there would have been some pretty emotional discussions, not only for the players traded, but obviously the ones who's Wings were clipped. Mm. I've always been an absolute footy nut and I've always enjoyed watching, I've just loved reading all the gossip about the AFL men's trade period and seeing who's going where and what sort of conversations the coaches might be having with them. And um, it's, I guess the word enjoyment I've had from that, I guess, I don't know, I can't explain it because now I'm in it. You just hate it. Like it's horrible. Um, it's <laughs> such a, I, I don't know how you guys felt about it, but that trade and draft period, not, not sorry, not the draft period, the trade period and the signing period where so many of my teammates' futures were uncertain and, you know, you're waiting to, to see how you, how you sit and all your closest friends and, and other teammates and, um, you know, you've got people who are feeling very secure in, in their position and then you've got a, another group of, of teammates who just not feeling so great at all and then others who are just unsure and not sure whether they'll be traded. So it's um, it's such a big shift for me in, in that period now and even watching the men go through it towards the end of the season, I actually felt sorry for them now. It's just a big shift. Yeah, I, I think you've hit the nail the, the nail on the head there, Loz. It was just a, a bit of a, a strange sort of period and you really felt for those girls that, that were on the edge. I think to, um, I guess, to sum it up, 
you have to turn it into to positives. And I know that there's a lot of our our girls that have responded really well from either not getting selected and they've had an incredible VFL season and put their hand up or they've been redrafted again. So I think there's a lot of positives to come from it, um, from a, a really tough situation. I know that our, I guess our turnover and the new recruits that we have have brought so much energy into our group and they're all, um, I guess, pushing for round one selection, which on the whole just makes our, our whole group better. And um, I guess that competitiveness comes into it. Um, we've got some high-level cross-coders as well that have brought different experiences and different skills. So um, we've got a hockey, a netball, a basketball and a cyclist um, all sort of bringing different experiences, whether it's Olympics, um, you know, youth, um, I guess high-level Australian teams, that sort of thing. And they, they're able to talk amongst the group even though they're, they're fresh and they're um, new to, to football they can still sort of bring so much and um, we've had some yeah really positive experiences from from that turnover it is one of the more fascinating things for me about this competition and where the sport's heading at the moment is the ability to bring in athletes from other sports who've previously played no football whatsoever and they can have an instant impact mm. and all your clubs um, went down that path with free agent signings and some of their draftees as well and even Katie, we saw Monique Conti participating in the WNBL finals with Melbourne Boomers yeah. um, just last week. And between games, she's been down at training, doing um, obviously things off to the side, but still participating ahead of the season. You, you three would classify, you're all very good athletes, but you would classify yourself purely as footballers, I would have thought. What is it like to see someone coming to your playing group who doesn't really know one end of a sharing from another <laughs> and they're able to have a, an impact straight away. It must be both exciting and I can imagine even a tad, fr tad frustrating. <laughs> oh, actually, I find it really exciting, yeah. to be quite honest. I think it's it's awesome and the way I think about it, I hear other sports, um, obviously through working at AFL Big, you speak to other sports quite a lot and you hear sometimes these little comments about AFL stealing players from other sports and I, the way I look at it is just to think that these athletes had to choose their sport and they didn't have the choice of AFL that whole time. I don't think there's any stealing involved at all. It's just opening up choice for women that men have always had. So it's really exciting to see that the teammates we now have have now have that choice. And to excel with making a late choice like that is super exciting. A lot of our girls as well played junior football. So they sort of have... Um, you know the foundation of skills they've got the game sense and they went away and played a different sport and have great athleticism now so they can kind of combine both of them we saw in our practice match probably maybe four of our of our five or six cross coders really stood out and um, were pretty much in our best so it's a fantastic uh, result for us going forward and it really challenges the football brains and the pure footballers to you know become more athletic and um, get fitter to match these girls. So, The best of them last year was Erin Phillips, who I don't think anyone could really envisage she was going to have the season that she had. It was was Dustin Martin-like, or I don't know if mm. Dustin Martin had an Erin Phillips-like season. It's probably more the case, but she's now a fully-fledged footballer. She's, she's dumped basketball. It's a pretty scary prospect to think she might bring more to the table in season two, but there's also now a sample size for your clubs to try and work out a way to nullify her brilliance. Definitely, she's she was an absolute powerhouse last year. Can't deny that. And to, yeah, to think that she has given up basketball to commit herself fully to footy, it's um it is pretty scary because she she can seriously play the game and she's got 
really good strength inside the contest, but then speed outside it. She she reads the footy so well for someone who hasn't played for X amount of years, and she's um she's just dominating. So um, you're right in saying that clubs can have a good look at her season last year to see how they combat her, but she's almost too good to do that because I don't know if there's many girls that can match her own size, strength, speed. She's she's seriously has got a really complete game and. She can finish goals too, so she's she's good at all ends of the ground, and um, yeah, she's I loved playing against her because she's just an incredible athlete. It must be a funny balance for coaches because they'd be coming in thinking, how much can I teach this athlete about the game of football? And I know Erin played football as a junior, but that's still a big gap going into elite AFLW in terms of knowledge. So you wonder how much, and you hear little bits and pieces out of Adelaide that she was almost given a license to chase the footy. And I think it's 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 obviously paid off for Bet Goddard to have allowed her to do that because I think sometimes with athletes like that, if you just allow them to play their natural game and show their creativity and flair, you look at the results that came from Erin Phillips and it's got to be a thought that's going through a lot of coaches' heads through AFLW at the moment. What do we do with these, these athletes from another sport? Do we overcoach them and try and embed all of this knowledge or do we just allow them to show what they've got? I think there's a really fine balance with that. Ahead of the 2018 NAB AFL Women's Competition, this is the Talking Footy Podcast. Lily Mithin from Melbourne, Katie Brennan from the Western Bulldogs and Lauren Arnell from Carlton, chatting just days out from the start of the season. Let's go around the table. I want, to, I want you to give us a name. You're going to have to divulge a little bit of information here, but give me the name, first of all, of a player, whether it's at your club or somewhere else, that you think can really elevate their game from season one to season two. Lil? I think Rocky Cranston. She's put a massive amount of time into her game in the off-season. She's gotten super fit. Um, she's really explosive, and we saw glimpses last year of how damaging she can be, but... I think um, with her game going to a new level throughout this preseason, I think she's definitely one to watch for the Ds. KB? I'd have to say um, my good mate Libby Birch. She has taken her game to a whole new level. Um, she's fitter than ever. She's running so well and she's always been super agile um, and a great one-on-one defender. But now she's got, I guess, that skill base to be able to, to kick the football a lot better than she did last year and she worked on that over the VFL season um, and also in our pre-season at Witten too at, at the Dogs. So I think um, she's just adding so many strings to her bow and um, she is trying to become a c- complete footballer that can play um, in all areas. So as a second or third year player, I think Libby's going to add so much to, to our team on that defensive line, um, but also will be a, a player to watch um, in the AFL Women's this year. So we've got a, a gridiron expat in Cranston and an ex-netballer in Birch. What have you got for us, Loz? Well, I know there's a time limit on this podcast, so we better not talk too many <laughs> <laughs> um, It's so hard you, to narrow it down, isn't it? You've limited us to one. So I'm, I'm actually going to go with an ex-netballer in Sarah Hosking. Mm-hmm. You've seen, she's obviously announced as co-vice captain at our club and she's just worked on every aspect of her game and she naturally brings that athleticism and what she's got inside her in terms of that fire in her belly um, and her just desire to improve in everything that she does um, and also to help others. She's, um, she's very empathetic there, so I like that side of her too as a teammate and um, I think her game will go to another level um, with, with the additional knowledge that she's been able to take out of the last 12 months as well. For me, her first contest in the Carlton <laughs> Collingwood game, I know there was a season full of iconic moments. Emma King... 
in the opening contest. Coming through hard was Hosking. Get a possession for it, but seeing her cannon in to a group of both Halton and Collingwood players at that first contest for me was one of the most iconic pieces of play that happened across the course of the season. Uh, must have you were playing, but to see that vision back, um, she set a tone for I think what the competition stood for for the whole year, which was uncompromising football. Yeah, and it's funny. I think sometimes you can take grabs of players doing special things or things they may not usually do. But for Sarah, that's something that she does in every training session and, and every game. So I, what I love about that is it's a consistent thing that Sarah brings to the contest and it's super exciting for us at Carlton. And huge if her and her twin Jess can finally get to play a game together for the Blues over the next few weeks. Um, we've spoken about an established player. We've all been to the draft, free agency, trade, rookie picks as well. Who's someone either in your club or elsewhere that we're going to get to know pretty quickly over the next few weeks that hasn't set foot on an AFL women's ground yet? At Carlton, we've got a whole range of players that have come in. We, I think we've had a turnover of a third of our list, which is just crazy. But um, we've got one special little player who looks little, but is just so strong over the ball. And she's from South Australia. She's 29. Her name's Sophie Lee. And um, we were just so fortunate to have, have her nominate for the Victorian draft and, and have our recruiters seen her play quite a lot throughout 2017. So she's just been someone, as a 29-year-old, we've got a really young group, but to walk in and um, she's just super humble, super professional, incredibly grateful for the opportunity that she's had. And um, she's another one that just brings consistency every time you see her and every time she's out on the track. And in both games we've, we've had prior to the season now, she's just, again, been really consistent and just gone about her business. And I'm really excited to play alongside Sophie. And talk about sacrifice, put on hold her job as a paramedic at Murray Bridge in the outskirts of Adelaide to come here and follow her AFLW dream. Yeah, I don't think that can be underestimated either. It's not easy to, you can't transfer your paramedic job from South Australia to Victoria it's just not that easy so she's looking for a little bit of work at the moment if, if any listeners have got something for her but, um, she's yeah I, was, I mean I, I can't imagine making that jump myself and yeah I admire her for it. Katie dogs had a pretty heavy hand in the women's draft last year what's percolating? I think one of our rookies Naomi Ferris so she local girl she is she's from the Spurs um, under Deb Lee, but I have been so impressed with with her preseason and and also how she performed in that practice match against um, Carlton on the weekend. So she is incredibly quick. She can play any position. So um, whether we play a forward line um, as a, a small forward or up on the wing, and she's just silky with all of her skills. So. She's, um, again, through that pre-season, has taken it all to a whole new, new level since we saw her. Um, I remember just having a kick with her in um, our ELC prior to her being selected as a rookie and I just was amazed with her skills. And then, again, after this 10-week program or 12-week program that we've been on over the pre-season, she's just, um, just really developed and is applying that out on the field, which is really important. So I think she will fly under the radar a little bit, but she'll be something really special out there for us and play a really important role. Lil, we saw a couple of handy types unearthed in the practice match against Collingwood. What, uh, what's Mick Stanier got up his sleeve? 
I think um, you saw a lot of Tegan Cunningham last Friday night. Um, strong key forward. I know we've um, spoken about. It was her first official game of footy. Yeah. And she kicked three goals before half time. Not bad. Um, I'll give her that. Um, tick of approval from me. So, no, it kind of just killed it. She's come from obviously really successful basketball background. I know we're speaking a lot about girls who've cross coded. So, I'll just continue on that note. So, um, no, but Tegan's been really impressive during the preseason, really eager to learn and putting her best foot forward in every opportunity. So, um, she's added a different dynamic to the D's group. She's definitely an interesting cat. She's um, pretty funny. Well, she thinks she is anyway. So, um, yeah, we love Gunners and she's um, she was really impressive on Friday night. Um, jumps at the footy really well. Um, her set shot and kicking has improved so much over the last... Um, few months and she's going to be um, a really good avenue to goal for us in um, 2018. It kind of feels like we're counting down to Christmas. <laughs> so Christmas will be here soon enough. Better than Christmas, I think. What are, you, what are you looking forward to? I think just pulling the jumper back on and running out there. I think um, the hype's there again um, following on from last year. The supporters sort of know now who we are and, and what we bring. So there's more excitement around around us girls and, and the team. So I think the most exciting bit for me is just running out and, and putting our best foot forward, um, pulling on the jumper and playing with your best mates because that's where you have the most fun. You have the most, you play the best footy when you're, when you're laughing and when you're kicking the footy well. So I think um, we've prepared really well. We've put a massive emphasis on building connections and building on the relationships we already had um, within the group. So we're really connected and we've bought into what the coaches, um, the way they want us to play. And I think we're just really looking forward to, um, you know, making the most of the opportunity and um, striving for a spot in the granny. KB, it's been a long time since you've played a game for the Bulldogs. I know. You've only got two of them so far. The third one's going to be uh, something I can imagine you're really looking forward to. I am. I certainly am. And as Lil said, I think probably most clubs have cottoned on to um, building those relationships and the whole vulnerability side and, and what that brings. And we've certainly worked on that at the Bulldogs and we've got more team love than, than ever before and um, such a, a beautiful group. So I cannot wait to, um, I guess, walk out on, on Witten Oval on that Saturday night, uh, sorry, that Sunday um, Twilight game, Feb 4, and um, just be in the colours again. I think... I learned last year to take a little moment before the game and, and really soak it all in, soak in the atmosphere, uh, the crowd, the, the fireworks and, and everything that, um, you know, AFA Women's is, is all about, the young girls in the crowd. And, and then you sort of switch to, to game mode and, and, you know, footy's a beautiful thing where it's great to get in this flow state and nothing else really matters when you're out there with your best mates um, playing the, the game you love and like time sort of stops so that's what I'm looking forward to most and I've even got goosebumps just talking about <laughs> it. God um, but just being in the red white and blue and, and being out there with um, this incredible group that we have I I can just imagine when Izzy Huntington kicks her first goal I'm gonna absolutely go crazy and just be so proud so um, yeah that's probably what I'm looking forward to most that first game. Loz I don't want, I don't want to put words in your mouth here but um, the last first Friday in February I experienced was pretty amazing. I can mm. imagine you're looking forward to the next one. Yeah, well, it's not far away now. So, obviously, the, the Carlton Collingwood is now built up as that first game of every season, which is which is an awesome opportunity for us. And 
I'm looking forward to that, but really I'm looking forward to just competing. I think you can compete against your teammates all pre-season and that's one thing, but it's 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 a whole other level to be competing against another club and, and representing your club and your teammates. And I think the other thing, obviously it's a short season, but there's also so many opportunities to improve. And the more games that we play and each club plays, I think we saw that last season as well, everybody continues to, to improve and and get better and have a greater understanding of, of what they've got in front of them and their teammates. So competing and, and improving are the two things I'm most looking forward to. We're nearly there. The sleep counting is nearly over and we can actually get into seeing some footy. Lily Mithin, Katie Brennan, Lauren Arnell, thanks so much for your time and all the best to your respective clubs and every player and coach participating in the 2018 NAB AFL Women's Season. We can't wait and here at seven. Got a big part to play Friday night, Feb 2, 7.45, we'll bounce the footy for Carlton and Collingwood on the screen for seven. And then the grand final replay the following night with Adelaide hosting Brisbane at Nord Oval. Lauren will be part of the broadcast coverage that night, hopefully fully fit and with four points under the belt. Looking forward to it. Well, thanks for your time on the Talking Footy podcast. We'll be back again soon. Thanks, much. We're talking footy.